Across many spiritual traditions, we learn that divinity is in the heart. I believe that within us, within each one of us, lies a perfectly unique ray of divine light. Our job is to get out of our heads and into our hearts in order to live with courage from a place of truth, service, and connection to all of life. This show is about building a life and business that you'll love with your whole self. It has been said that words spoken from the heart enter the heart. And as such, this show is about real journeys, challenges, and lessons of real people whose stories and advice can guide you on your journey, our journey. Welcome to the show. Before we get started with our guest, I want to ask you a quick question. Are you a female entrepreneur looking to grow your purpose-based business? Could you benefit from support, inspiration, and accountability on your business building journey? I invite you to apply to my masterminding community. We are building real relationships in a space of trust. It is a breath of freedom, and I think you could really bring a lot and benefit a lot from the group. We are all about putting our minds and our hearts together to build the businesses and the lives that this world needs most. Hop on over to drozzy.co backslash rise mastermind. That's R-I-S-E mastermind and fill out an application today. You can also click the link in the show notes and I really look forward to reading your application and connecting with you personally. Welcome everybody. I am so excited about our guest today, Elizabeth Kristoff. She has an, a company called Brain-Based Wellness and Brain-Based Wellness Brain-Based Wellness with Elizabeth Kristoff. It's a little bit of a tongue twister, but it's a holistic practice that combines applied neuroscience with strategic high-energy workouts to achieve deep and lasting well-being. Through the integration of neural exercises that include vision and balance exercise, breath work, cranial nerve stimulation, and somatic body-based meditation, and workouts like strategic muscle toning, hit cardio, and brain-based Pilates, BBW teaches the body and the brain to work together for optimal performance. It is so interesting, intriguing, exciting. I'm so thrilled to hear all about it and to get to know you, Elizabeth, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here and have this chat. It's an Incredible. Honor. Thank you. Well, I would love to start off with your story and how you got involved with the work that you're doing. Yeah. So I have, I've been a mover my whole life and I think without knowing it, a movement was really how I processed a lot of my stress and, and healed myself from a, even from a very early age, I've had a lot of, I've had a lot of trauma in my childhood. And so I always found movement as an outlet for that. And so I trained as an athlete my whole life and then, um, went into the movement industry and had a boutique fitness business for 12 years here in Austin, Texas. And um, we at one point decided to develop our own teacher training program. We were a Pilates studio and movement business. And so as we were developing that teacher training program and also just growing the business, 
I knew that I wanted the, the neuroscience of movement to be part of that. I knew that, um, from the small amount of research that I had done, I understood that like your hip flexor doesn't have a tiny brain inside of it, telling it to be tight. Your brain is controlling the amount of tension that is in your hip flexor or pain. Isn't just coming from an acute injury, but pain is an output of your brain when it's under too much threat. And so I understood that. And I knew that brain-based training was kind of at the, the future of movement science. So I started to train at a applied neurology Institute in Arizona and learn how to incorporate applied neuroscience for pain management and for athletic performance. So that was really where my journey in neuroscience began. And then as we scaled the business and, um, my life grew and expanded, I began to come up against a lot of my own deep behavioral patterns and stress responses that were, that got really intense and really painful for me. I ended up losing the business. We went under a time of a lot of financial stress. And I also was in a, in a romantic relationship with someone who was diagnosed with a very rare cancer. And so went into being the full-time caretaker for him. And as I was going through this time of tremendous stress, I started to experience a lot of outputs of a nervous system that is dysregulated. I was, um, I went back into really bad cycles of binge eating. I was very dissociated from my body. I was in a constant state of pain and brain fog. And I would just kind of shut down at times where I, I couldn't even speak. I couldn't articulate. And I started to recognize in myself all the symptoms that I looked for in my clients when I was training them and when they were under too much threat. And I started to understand how much our nervous system guides all of our behavior and all of our life experiences. And I began to question if it's possible to train the nervous system to move out of pain, which is just one output of a nervous system that's under threat, is it also possible to train the nervous system to move out of some of these other behaviors and threat responses? And so started really digging deep into neurology and continuing to take advanced courses and learning about interception and the vagus nerve and all these really important components of, of behavior change and pain modulation and, and reducing threat response and somatic processing. And I started to weave all of that into healing myself and went down on this long multiple year journey of resolving my own trauma, processing stress through my own body. And then, um, and then quarantine came and I had a lot of time to sit with what I learned. And I also saw that the world at large was going under a tremendously stressful period of change and a pandemic and social justice and all of these things that we want to be able to level up and be resilient for and to grow and expand into. And I knew I had to put some of this work out there. And that's when I launched the platform brain-based wellness. Wow. Wow. What a journey. What a it journey. Was a journey. Yeah. It's a yeah. lot. It sounds like you've definitely been through uh, a lot of challenges and you took them and you learned from them. And now you're really sharing that learning with so many other people. Yeah. I think sometimes when I think back on it, a lot of the experiences that I went through were, they were very intensified, very amplified. And because they were so dramatic for lack of a better word, it made it very possible for me to see things that I'm not sure other people can, 
can recognize in their own life because all of the things that I went through magnified, we all experience to some extent. Sometimes we shut down when we're under too much threat or we have pain or we have stress eating when we're too um, overwhelmed with stuff. And all of those I've learned are outputs of a nervous system that's just under too much threat. And when you learn about your nervous system and how to regulate it and how to train the deficits in your nervous system to, to heal that so that it's under less threat on a second by second level, then we can all move out of those things. But I feel like because it was so big for me, it was almost like I could just see behind the patterns and I can look at people now and, and see their nervous system firing and working. Um, and so in, in many ways I am, though it was very challenging, I'm very grateful for for the experience in that it really pushed me to learn and expand what I see about health and wellness and performance. Mm, incredible. Incredible. So in terms of exercise and, and dealing with situations like chronic pain and anxiety, I mean, this has become so prevalent um, in our time. Where do we start with using physical movement as a healing mechanism? Yeah, so I think that's a great question because it's so individualized for everyone. And yet also we're all human beings that are made to move, right? Movement is how we process stress through our body. And it's about finding the right movement and the right dose for yourself. So I think the beginning of that journey really comes with coming into your own body and starting to cultivate a skill called interception, which is the ability to read the signals that your body is sending you. And so for people with trauma, especially that's difficult because we can become very dissociated from our bodies. And even though I was in the movement industry in a mindful movement industry for so long, I was also, I had trained as an athlete and I really could, I could push past pain. I could push past nausea. I could push past a lot of things. I just trained myself to be that way. And so even though I was in this industry, I was still really disconnected from my own body. And so the beginning of my healing really became a practice of just spending a little bit of time every day, dropping from my head down into my body and starting to become curious. What does it feel like in the center of my chest? What does it feel like in my belly and my throat? And just starting to learn how to feel the signals that my body is giving me and starting to get some guidance from there about what movement feels good. How much feels good? Does it feel good to walk? Does it feel good to run? When do I start to move into pain and using that as a signal of like, Hey, this is too much. I'm ex exceeding the minimum effective dose for my body. And whatever we do, we get better at. That's a neurological principle too. So if I'm always pushing into pain, I'm getting better at creating pain. So getting better at reading those signals from your body and stopping and listening so that you are moving in the right direction and you're not making those pathways stronger. Okay. There's so much here. I mean, you just said that movement is the way that we process stress. And I don't think I've ever heard that communicated so succinctly. And mm. there's something about hearing that, that just kind of makes me want to get up out of my chair, to be honest. I mean, it's like so motivating when you think about movement like that, 
Yeah. Think about if you watch a, an animal, right. And they have some kind of high stress experience. Even I, I see this, even when I walk my dogs, my dogs are, they're very stressed out dogs. And so they'll see another dog and collect a lot of stress. And when I can get them past it afterwards, they shake, right. They, they do like a little, they shimmy their body and they shake it out. And that's when, you know, they're like ready to move on and, and that they've kind of let it go. Or if you see an animal that's chased, um, a prey animal chased by a, a lion and it gets, it goes into freeze response and it falls down. And then for some reason, the predator goes away, it gets up and it shakes its whole body shakes and then it moves. And that is our animal instinctual response to process that stress through our body. So a very simple way to process stress through your body is just to shake around, just to shake your arms, shake your legs, move around, dance for five minutes a day, jump on a trampoline for five minutes a day. It doesn't have to be so structured. Um, it's really people can drop into themselves to know what their body needs. Forward motion is really great going for a walk or a run just to process some of that through our bodies so that it doesn't stay. Our muscles don't constrict and then hold on to that constriction and hold on to that dysregulation of our nervous system because a dysregulated nervous system that goes on for too long, too much internalized stress, it causes disease. And I've, I've seen that. I've seen mm -hmm. that in my partner. I've seen it in the healthcare system as I was going through that treatment with him. And I believe very deeply that true health comes from taking the time to learn about our nervous system and to, to learn how to regulate it and process stress. And that stress is at the root of so much disease. Wow. Well, it's, it's um, empowering to think about this idea that, that moving for five minutes a day and any of those capacities can really provide such uh, an important outlet. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't have to be as complicated as people make it either, you know, um, as I learned about applied neurology and really what applied neurology is, is it's simply just taking the latest in, in brain science and research and making it into very practical tools that people can use to give their brain and their nervous system stimulation that it wants. So if say I have a deficit with my visual system, maybe just making my eyes move in a big circle two or three times a day so that those six muscles that control your eye movement are getting range of motion. They're getting to move through their full range of motion. They're getting stimulus that stimulates certain cranial nerves and you're training your eyes because they don't get enough movement in different directions. And if we don't use it, we lose it. And so your brain responds really well to that particular stimulus. And so every time in between meetings, you stop and you do two big eye circles so that you're re-regulating your nervous system, giving it a little bit of stimulus that it wants and constantly bringing the threat level that it's under back down to a more manageable state, or maybe your vagus nerve needs a little bit of stimulation. Well, the vagus nerve innervates at the back of the tongue. It innervates our tongue. And so just doing like three big tongue circles, running your tongue over your teeth, trying to go a little bit further back each time, just sitting up, relaxing your shoulders, doing that three times in each direction. And then noticing how you feel after, does your respiration slow down? Do you take a side? Do you have less tension in your neck or your throat? And just as little as that multiple times throughout the day can start to bring your nervous system into a lower threat level. And then our threat level, our baseline stress level gets lower all the time. And then we move into less unwanted outputs, less protective outputs of our brain.
This is fascinating. And, you know, I just started doing it and I, I even feel a little bit different right now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's really easy to, to start to feel the difference. And one of the things that I, I teach people on the site is how to be the expert of your own nervous system, because everyone's is so unique. And so you just always want to make sure that you're assessing and you're reassessing everything because change at the nervous system level is instantaneous. You'll feel it lightning quick. And so you do a drill and then you, you assess first, like you just would turn your head from side to side and see how far you can see out of the corner of your eye and maybe drop into your body and feel what it feels like in your throat. And then you would do those tongue circles, three circles in each direction. And then you would turn your head again and see if your range of motion is more, see if you can see further out of the corner of your eye. And if you got a positive response, you will have less tension in your neck and in your throat, you'll be able to see further and you would know then, okay, that's a good drill for me, I'm going to sprinkle that in throughout the day. If you got more tension in your throat, you would know for whatever reason, that's too much stimulus for my brain. And then you could either change the drill slightly, like maybe only do one repetition, or you would just know that that's not your drill. And you would, you would find another one to put in throughout the day to re-regulate your nervous system. Well, this, it's interesting to hear about how highly individualized this entire process is. Yes. Yeah. I think that's really important because one of the things that I really learned as I was, as I was exploring all of this. So my partner before he had cancer had very severe PTSD as well. And so I went through a lot of that treatment with him and I, I, I got all of these books to try to understand more about that for him really, as, as we were going through the cancer treatment and then he developed an autoimmune disease afterwards. And I was trying to understand why his body was rebelling so much. And I knew that it was related to his nervous system because of, because I had that background in applied neurology. And so I started diving into reading books like the body keeps the score and complex PTSD by Peter Walker and, and, um, waking the tiger. And I started to recognize a lot of myself in those books too, and really coming back into my own trauma and understanding that. And what I began to learn as I combined applied neurology and these different somatic practices on myself to help regulate and move through my own trauma was that somatic practices, one are incredibly important. Somatic just meaning like of the body dealing, understanding that everything you experience in your mind, you also experience in your body. And in order to heal it, it has to be healed at the level of the body and the nervous system. But a lot of these practices treat everyone the same, even like EFT tapping or EMDR, like everybody's going to respond the same to the same stimulus. But what I know from applied neurology is that our life experiences make us all so different and we all have unique deficits at our nervous system. So if somebody's telling me to look up and to the left while I'm processing through a trauma, but maybe I also had a car accident where at the moment of impact, came from the left and my eyes were looking up into the left. Well, that's a really traumatic eye position for me. So I have to rehab that eye position first. Wow. So even in practices like that, it's so important to assess and reassess even meditation with him. We would sit down and we would do meditation 
and he had to wear a heart rate monitor all the time. And his heart rate would start to go through the roof, even though people told us like do meditation to lower your heart rate and stress response. But I began to realize that not all types of meditation are good for everyone, especially if you're stuck in a state of hypervigilance and fight or flight, then it's very threatening to sit down and close your eyes and um, try to be still when your body's in a in a position where it wants you to move. It wants you to process that stress through. So going for a walk or something would be better. So it's so important to, no matter what you're doing, take the time to assess and reassess. Do I get better from this or do I have more tension? Does my heart rate slow down or does it escalate? Do I feel like my palms start to sweat? Am I feeling sympathetic or parasympathetic response? And realize that you can customize your own healing program to be right for your body and your nervous system. It it makes so much sense. It makes so much sense what you're saying. And you're saying it so clearly. Um, It's interesting. I I, I heard this idea from Dr. James Gordon, who wrote the transformation. And he talked about in his work, you know, healing um, victims post-war humans around the world that before they sit and before they do these meditations, there's the shaking and dancing. Mm-hmm. And I do a meditation practice in the beginning of all my classes, but I always say, and I think now that I'm listening to, you, I want to even be more clear about this, that if you need to turn off your camera, you need to move, you need to get a glass of water or whatever you need to do in that yes. moment. I'm sure you'd have so many recommendations. I have so much to learn from you. Um, that that's the most important thing is to get in touch with what's going to help you to feel more regulated. That's right. That's right. And I think that that's so great that you do that because it's just, everyone is so different and it's, it's a little bit of a journey even to be able to come back inside yourself. Um, and uh, you know, if you are someone who has a lot of trauma, even that idea of like dropping into your body can sometimes be really threatening. So what I try to do is combine it with First, let's do three or four things that your nervous system really likes. Let's do, you know, let's do a breathing exercise that your body responds well to. Let's do some tapping on your vagus nerve points. And so that we move you into your parasympathetic system. Then let's go into your body and see what it needs. And then let's sit for meditation once you've spent a little bit of time regulating your nervous system so that you can do those things because you know, a lot of what I work with people in is, is, is like I said, becoming the expert of your own nervous system in your own body, intuitive eating, things like that. But you can't even ask people to do that until their nervous system is at a place where it's open and receptive to, to those things. It's our, our, our brain is wired for survival first, right? Our, our back brain, our old brain, and it's always deciding safe or unsafe. And the outputs that come from that will always be geared towards survival first over performance. Like those two things do not exist at the same time. And so you have to move out of survival, out of protective mode so that you can move into performance mode. And so it requires picking up some tools to to regulate and give your brain some stimulation that it needs so that it can allow you to change, so that it can allow you to do the things that you want to do to move toward that higher version of yourself, that higher level. Mm -hmm. It makes a lot of sense. It's interesting you mentioned intuitive eating. I remember when I first became aware of of that concept, right? For anyone who's listening, it's, it's kind of this idea of like returning to your body's natural signals. But I think for so many people who have been in this 
diet culture of like counting numbers and doing math rather than checking in with hunger signals, it's not so simple to then try to go back to feeling it's hungry hard. again. <laughs> yeah. It's really hard because you've, you've one, you've lost a lot of trust in yourself, right? That relationship of trust with yourself is eroded. And so it feels very scary to think about just relying on yourself because you don't have that relationship anymore. And then also too, you've, because you've been in diet culture for so long, you've turned off those, uh, the ability to read signals like hunger. And for many people with disordered eating, you are already cut out from those signals because you've had some kind of trauma or or chronic stress over time that have damaged your vagus nerve. And our vagus nerve is cranial nerve 10. It runs from our brain down into our body. It, it controls the tension in our throat. It controls your heart rate, your digestion, and it gets damaged with trauma and it gets damaged with stress. And then we literally cannot read the signals from our body up to our brain until we help heal that that nerve so that we can get those signals. And so intuitive eating can be almost impossible until you take the time to become comfortable with that again and to, to heal your body and your nervous system in a way that it is, it is even that it's safe enough and that it's possible to start to hear those signals. Wow. It's incredible. This is really incredible. So I'd love to hear about brain-based wellness and, and what you offer, you know, what your business looks like now, as well as what your business building journey was like. We have so many purpose-driven entrepreneurs listening to the show. I would love to talk about both of those things. Yeah. So what we do now, brain-based wellness, it's, it's all online. It's all virtual. It began with the quarantine. Um, and so I work with people virtually in small groups and private training to regulate their nervous system for behavior change. And the two groups that I really work with are entrepreneurs who want to level up, but also don't want to drive themselves into shutdown, exhaustion, and overwhelm. So I have a lot of experience with believing in my business so much and believing in the purpose and the mission so much that I was willing to sacrifice all of my well-being for the business. And I was, I also struggled with deep workaholism. And so helping people heal the patterns that drive them into that overworking underbeing so that they can grow their business and still stay connected to their body and feel alive and and passionate and excited about things and not just shut down emotionally. And so that's a group that I work with. And then I work a lot with people with disordered eating. So I have a food freedom group to, to regulate the nervous system and to look at old beliefs and start to bust out of diet culture and into intuitive eating and out of binge eating cycles. And then I also have the membership site where we do movement classes every single day together live. We do it in community. And I really, that is also that's my long time area of expertise is, is movement training and how to move with a lot of intention, how to calibrate movement for your own body, how to, how to move yourself into right alignment. And we, we do that on the site too. This is incredible. What was your business building journey like up until this point, Elizabeth? It's been kind of a wild ride. Um, I, I started just on a Facebook group, a closed Facebook group when quarantine hit and just reached out to some people and was like, Hey, I'm going to do this. And then very quickly it has escalated to having the site and, and these groups. And there's just such a 
a hunger for some of this information. And um, I also feel like I was just uniquely prepared in the few years prior to 2020, I had gone through tremendous financial stress, the loss of a business, um, a tremendous amount of health concerns, stress. And um, I, I had gone through all of that in my own life and learned how to regulate my nervous system through it. And now these same fears were blown up on a collective level of the financial stress and the health concerns and um, how to process that stress. And so I felt like I just had to share those tools with people. And as I did, um, more and more people have, have found their way to this work. Mm -hmm. And, um, it's been very organic and very different from my other business in that I'm very diligent about making the time for myself to continue to regulate my own nervous system and have my own time for my spiritual practices. And it's, a, a lot more trust and a lot more flow because I don't want to, I don't want to end up in the same place of, of the past. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Interesting that you mentioned being uniquely prepared. Um, I really believe that this past year has brought out our gifts and our assets mm -hmm. in such a different way and pushed so many of us to become generous and, and brave enough to share. Yes. Yeah. I really do feel like it was beyond me. Like it was just this big push of like, do it. And, you know, for me, a lot of the stuff that comes with building your own business, I was in a business partnership prior to this. And then I also worked for some other, um, larger like national corporations. And I feel like for me with a lot of the trauma of my childhood, one of the big things for me was that being visible was dangerous, right? It was more, it was safer to not be seen. And so I always kind of worked in the background and now I've had to really step into visibility. I have to put myself out here on podcasts and social media, and I am the face of the business. And so I've had to do a lot of work on, on changing that belief to visibility, being an act of service and also being something that protects me. I love and that. I, I just, I have to like pause on that right now. Visibility is an act of service. It's so challenging in the beginning for so many people. I know it was hard for me. It's hard for so many of my clients and students. And I yeah, love the way that you, I love the way you put that. Yeah. It, it's scary for me. And that's a belief that I have had to affirm again and again. And then I also have to regulate my nervous system. Like before I do this podcast, I'll do two or three drills that my nervous system responds well to. And I'll especially do stuff for my throat. Um, like, you know, tapping for my accessory nerve, those tongue circles, maybe gargling some water, things that help that tension and upregulate my vagus nerve, which controls our vocal cords. Um, because now I'm, I'm, as I'm, actually speaking my truth in this way of visibility where I will feel that threat responses in my throat. And so I'll do that before. And after I get off this podcast, I'll do some more drills that kind of process that stress through so that what happens is before I would just push through those signals and I would do it and it would be fine. But then afterwards I might get shut down with like a migraine or I might binge or I might Oops. experience pain. It's, and so it's, yeah. such big, it's such a big shift. I hear this so often. I actually heard from someone today um, that she feels so exhausted after doing interviews and speeches. And mm -hmm. 
I, you know, I think it's a common experience to have um, a, like a response reaction. We can't even always put a finger on mm-hmm. what it is or why, but just not feeling normal, right? Yes, yes. And it's frustrating, right? Because we know on this soul heart level that we want to put ourselves out there and we have this message that we want to share and experience that we want to share. And then we get shut down by a nervous system that, that gets too threatened by it afterwards. And there's a big cost to this when we don't regulate. And it's important to understand that like everybody does the best they can at the level of their nervous system and our brain these are all that fatigue, that brain fog, that heaviness. These are all outputs of a nervous system that is trying to keep you safe. So pain is a behavior change tool of your brain to keep you safe. Think about this. If you're if you have a lot of stimulus coming in, it's too much for your nervous system. And our brains are smart. They understand that we're resilient and we can take a lot of stress, but too much stress for too long, too much nervous system dysregulation leads to disease. And our brain and our nervous system know that at a survival level. And so you have all this stimulus coming in, your your threat level is getting too high. Well, your brain knows if I give you pain, you're going to interact with the world less. You're going to work out less intensely. You're going to take less steps, you're going to go out and about less. The amount of stimulus coming into the nervous system is going to be reduced. If I give you pain, if I give you migraine, anxiety, depression, you're going to go in the room, you're going to shut off the lights. You'll actually be taking away the visual stimulus. Things will be quiet and I can re-regulate. And so these are all behavior change tools of a brain that is trying to keep you safe in the moment because our back brain, our cerebellum and our brainstem are not concerned with our long-term goals. They're concerned with our survival in that moment. And so it produces these outputs to keep you safe and it will always win. That will always win at the end of the day. Mm, That's so, so incredible. It's, it's been really an education listening to you and, and talking about these drills. And I would love to share with our listeners where they can find you, where they can, you know, get more of your, your work and what you do. Absolutely. Absolutely. So they, I'm actually offering two free weeks on the, on the website for people who want to come experience the work. So the website is brain-based dash wellness.com. And they can go there and sign up for two free weeks. And then there's also a free applied neuro course for your listeners. If they go there, they can sign up for that as well. And it'll teach you just a little bit about how to assess and reassess your own nervous system. It'll give you five of the highest payoff drills that I have found for the largest number of people that you can start incorporating into a morning practice that you can do every morning or throughout the day to keep bringing the threat level of your nervous system back. Back down. Wow. This is absolutely incredible. And all of that information is going to be in the show notes for everybody listening. Elizabeth, awesome. it has been such a pleasure and an honor having you here today. It has been great speaking with you. I appreciate your having me on so much. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for being here and thank you for listening. What was one takeaway that you heard from the show today? Can you think of somebody else who would benefit from learning that? I invite you to teach that takeaway to one person. One of the greatest ways to learn is to teach. You can message someone and share the idea 
or even better, send them a link to listen to this episode. You're going to go ahead and provide them with the help that they need. And you're also helping this show, helping me to reach more people with this message. So go ahead and share it with a friend. And if you want to share this on social, you can tag me. I'm Ozzy.Jinkovic on Instagram. And if you tag me in your stories, I will reshare it. And I will also send you a little something as a thank you. It means so much to me that you spend your time here and I want to make this show as helpful for you as possible. So I also invite you to reach out to me and let me know what you're going through. What challenges do you have? What questions do you have? All of your direct messages are confidential. I will read them all and I will respond to them all as well. So be in touch with me and wherever you are in the world, I hope that you're meeting yourself with kindness and I know that you are because you set aside this time to work on your life and on your business and that is absolutely incredible. Abundant blessings and until next time.